today on CityCast Denver. Are we doomed to spend our summers inside in Colorado because our air quality sucks? Places which you think are just perfectly beautiful and clean, like the Chatsfield Reservoir, that's actually a hot spot for our high ozone levels. Today is Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's take a look at the news. Today's temps will see a high of 91 and, of course, sunny but smoky skies. We'll get more into the smoky part of this forecast later in the episode. As of Wednesday afternoon when we recorded this, some residents in Elyria, Swansea had been without natural gas for more than a week. Beginning last Wednesday, hundreds of Denverites lost natural gas service, leaving them without hot water or the ability to cook. Service was cut when a water line broke near the intersection of 48th Avenue and Clayton Street and poured water into the gas lines. Though Excel brought in a taco truck to serve food to the community and provided vouchers for showers at the YMCA, this is just the latest in a series of issues residents have faced. Neighbors told the Denver Post that they're already frustrated by the nearly two straight years of traffic detours, dust, and noise caused by the I-70 construction project, and gas line repairs only added to these issues. If you're a rider of Uber or Lyft, you may have noticed a price increase lately. With demand outpacing a reduced supply of drivers, the Colorado Sun reports that rideshare prices are up 40% over last year. It seems that as more people get vaccinated and resume social activities, not enough drivers are getting back on the road. It's almost as if depending on an underpaid, uninsured contract workforce isn't working out after all. I wonder where public transit fits into all of this. Hmm. Hey, Denver, want to know what the current air quality is? Bad. It's been bad all summer. And it's going to continue to be bad every summer, probably. But I'm not trying to freak you out. Because according to our guest today, there's still time to turn this around. Hopefully this for (laughs) your kids' ones, but... Hey, they're headphones. Yes, now I can hear you. (laughs) All right. Dr. Anthony Gerber is a professor of medicine and director of pulmonary research at National Jewish Health. He's also the chair of the Colorado Air Quality Control Commission. And I wanted to talk to him about why my allergies suck, if mowing my lawn in the morning is really going to make a difference, and what the deal is with all those federal air quality standards anyway. Oh, and just a note. Even though Dr. Gerber chairs the Colorado Air Quality Control Commission, he wants you to know that the views you're about to hear are his alone and not representative of the commission. Well, thanks for joining me today, Dr. Gerber. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So I was just coughing up a lung right before while you were getting your headphones set up. But my allergies are terrible. But I have to say, I didn't really connect it to bad air quality until talking to friends who are way more sensitive to it. And I know sometimes people can't even go outside on ozone alert days um, or just feel sick. And can you just tell me straight up, is this our reality in Colorado from now on, especially in the summer? I mean, we are hoping to make a dent on the ozone precursors, which we make locally. So um, there's sort of two components to the problem we have with ozone. The first is, as we've all seen, when there's wildfire smoke, which blows into the area, actually some of the chemicals in wildfire promote ozone formation. We know that those wildfires 
are bigger, stronger, and worse as a comp as a as a um, effect of climate change. And there's virtually nothing we can do in the short term. Like we can't put up a wall. We can't make the Rocky Mountains forty thousand feet tall right. um, to block out that air. What we can do in the long run is try and turn around climate change and hope that in the long term, if we turn that ship, that we'll see you know, 20, 30 years from now, there won't be the same kind of wildfires we're having now, but that's the long term. In the short term, you know, we are trying to take a lot of steps to mitigate ozone. And I think that um, both uh, Governor Hickenlooper and Governor Polis and then the recent legislatures have really shown that they're interested in in, in helping the um, air division at the Colorado Department of Public Health to take steps to mitigate ozone. Um, and so I don't think it's, it's not hopeless as we move to electrifying our vehicles and doing other steps, we can reduce those precursors. But with what you said, you know, we're not there yet. Um, and this year has been terrible. I don't think it's realistic to think that, that magically that we'll pass some regulations and we'll have, um, you know, or some laws and have, you know, magically have ozone problems disappear along the front range in the short term. So even if like we're driving less, it's not, I mean, I, I just feel like that's such a big emphasis. Like what can we do as an individual person? Does that make a big difference? So it does make a big difference. And so I think that um, driving less, sharing cars, when you do decide to buy a new car, um, kind of being forward looking and thinking that, you know, maybe it's a little more pricey, but I'm going to save all that money on gas if I buy an electric car. And maybe there aren't quite as many charging stations now as I would like, but those are coming. So when you make those personal consumer decisions, you know, don't look at it necessarily as a 2021 that the gas, you know, gas combustion vehicle seems a little bit more convenient we're going to start to have better infrastructure and the price difference will pay for itself with fuel with fuel over a few years. So that's one thing you can do. And then there are some other surprising things. Um, lawnmower equipment, if it's gas fired, is super ozone making. You don't think about it when you're you know turning on your lawnmower. You think, oh, how can this make a contribution? But those engines burn so dirty, they actually are not a trivial part of the front range problems. There are other smaller choices. You know, we all tend to, you know, do outside painting in the middle of summer. Paints actually have a variety of, of, of volatile compounds which can contribute to ozone. So if you're able to think, look, we'll, we'll push the project till late September or do it, you know, earlier in the season. There are other, you know, so there are a variety of personal choices that you can make which can help the problem. That's interesting, too, just because I think about we have we hold a lot of mural festivals and like aerosol painting to events in the middle of the summer, you know. When we're in the situation we're in, I think that every individual step counts. And the more individuals do, then the less we need to kind of dig into, you know, more regulations, um, which, which, you know, which, which a lot of people um, might not like. So we're in the middle of a month long string of of daily air quality alerts. What does one of those alerts actually mean? Yeah, so it's there's kind of two purposes to the alerts. So one part is to kind of alert people, maybe this is a day to change your behavior. You know, that doesn't work as well when there's 50 days in a row because it, it no longer seems, seems exceptional. The, the second part of it is to get that warning out to people who are in those vulnerable groups. 
And when you have an air quality alert, you know, they're pretty good here at telling you if it's being driven by ozone or particulates. And there's just this sort of air quality index, which takes the, the highest predicted level of either particulates or ozone and kind of generates those color-coded charts, you know, yellow, green, red. And so if you look at the ozone alerts, you'll actually see try and avoid outdoor activity or vigorous activity if you're in one of these risk groups between noon and 8 p.m. because the ozone levels are usually better in the morning. So I've read that one of the reasons we get more ozone alert days now is because the federal standards have changed um, in recent years. Like there's a stricter threshold for our air quality, which could mean the air quality just appears to be getting worse, but it really isn't. Is that? So I wish that were true. Okay. <laughs> so our ozone levels on the front range over, you know, kind of historically, so they were worse, you know, earlier. And we have made some improvements, but this year and last year, there's actually been kind of some backsliding. And moreover, we're not on the front range, we're not meeting the previous standard. You know, ozone is very interesting. The particulate matter problems tend to be blanketed across the, the urban area. Ozone doesn't necessarily form in the areas where you would where you would expect. And so places which you think are just perfectly beautiful and clean, like the Chatsfield Reservoir, that's actually a hot spot for our high ozone level. So it's a real problem. People try and leave the city and there's a lot of recreation, a lot of activity on that reservoir. That tends to be one of the areas where ozone can be a little bit higher. And one other point I did want to make is that um, if there's if there's a, and I don't want to say a silver lining in any of this, yeah. it's as people see all these air quality stuff and they take steps that also helps with greenhouse gas and climate change. I'm also just hearing transit advocates right now screaming, no cars at all. Like electric vehicles aren't the answer. But I think what you're kind of talking about is like changing our behavior is not is going to be as easy to get people out of their cars. Like... <laughs> So be realistic. Yeah. Even if you electrify, you still need to make the electricity. Now you can make that greener. But the whole structure of, you know, and I, you know, this is, you know, I'm not in any way advocating an abrupt change, but we do need to rethink this disposable, we're just going to expand the kind of society. Now, in no way am I saying in the short term. In the short term, I think electrifying doing what we can locally. We can begin to turn the ship around. We have, you know, it's amazing how few electric cars are on the road. Mm -hmm. And we just, and, and people, you know, when they drive them, they love them. You know, you know, there's a little bit of a sticker shock, but that gets back paid with fuel prices. And I think we just need to do a better job. And, and I'll, I'll finish that thought by saying that when I was a kid in the, in, in the 70s and 80s, everyone thought, that like we were going to run out of oil. And so people, so, so there's this, you've got to conserve because it's going to be gone. You know, and then we figured out how to get, you know, shale and, and the oil supply improved. But just because it's not going to run out doesn't mean right. that using it isn't a problem. So to get back to sort of the human impact, I, I want to talk a little bit about the short-term health risks of of bad air quality. What are we looking at when we're looking at short-term risks? I'll begin this with, with an analogy because I anticipate that you might ask about the long-term impacts yes. next. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> you got so it. if you wear a tight-fitting pair of shoes, 
you know, you'll probably get a blister. And that blister might be minor. It might last for a day. If you have diabetes, maybe that blister is a real problem, might send you to the hospital. But by and large, you're going to get better. And as you wear those shoes for longer, you're not going to get a blister anymore. But, you know, 10, 20 years later, you might have a bunion from wearing an ill-fitting pair of shoes. So I, I think that that's the perfect analogy for the air quality impact. So yes, some people are gonna have short-term inflammation. It might make it very uncomfortable. They might not be able to be outside on that day. They might not be able to participate in sports. But by and large, those short-term effects, unless you're really you know, unlucky and have a stroke or heart attack or wind up in the hospital for an asthma flare, they're pretty short-limited. Now, as you turn that to the turn the page to the longer term effect, again, some people are going to go on to develop longer term worse health outcomes. So we know that overall risk of, say, getting emphysema, which is a lung disease we typically associate with smoking, yes, that's that's higher in areas which have higher pollution. So independent of all the other things you do, you're going to have a higher risk of of having chronic lung disease. Now, the problem is it's not everyone. Just like there are some people who can literally smoke two packs of cigarettes a day for 50 years and their lungs are pretty good shape afterwards. I, you know, there's some people and there's some people who smoke a pack a day for 10 years and they have a real problem. I can't tell you who that person at risk is. And that's why we get these general warnings. We've got to do a better job of figuring out who is at the highest risk, so they might modify their behavior. And also, maybe there are some days when, even though that air quality index might be the same, maybe there's some wildfire smoke that blows in where it's incinerated, you know, a city versus, you know, some grass, and that wildfire might be more dangerous. So we might need to do a better job of nuancing, you know, those broad recommendations because it might be that some days are worse than others. And, and we, so there's a lot of work to be done on that. Okay. That makes so much sense thinking about the wildfires too, like what what's being burned, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Well, Dr. Gerber, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Even though Dr. Gerber chairs the quality... <laughs> The Kuala Wada Wada. I knew that was coming.